10, verse 19. Please do so. This is where I want to start this morning. And, and let's look at it. I'm going to read it one more time so we can really understand the passage that we're in this morning and kind of emphasize a few parts as I go through. And we'll break it down to the points that you see in your bulletin. So you might want to have this out as well. And I'm going to add a secret point to this, to this outline that I have. Meaning that I was looking at it a little harder. I realized, you know, I should really add another point. So I promised to get everybody out here by 2 o'clock. We'll, we'll be out by 2 o'clock so that you can go maybe uh, have, some, have some dinner. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened to us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who has promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews 10, 19-19. The first point we have there is access. We have access. you got to think back to this part in Scripture where Paul is exhorting these folks here about the access that they had because it had really changed, right? They had been under the what? The law. They had been under the law. This was oppressive to them. It was not complete. And Jesus had come and made it complete. And this was good news. This was gospel. But it took some training, right? It took some explaining. And, and, and Paul comes to follow these things with some, some teaching and, 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 and shares with us. Shares with us. And Paul, the presumed um, writer of Hebrews. And, and so this is big news to them. Just think, everything had really changed. Everything had really changed. So we have access, complete access, to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The curtain has been torn. We can go into the Holy of Holies because we have access to Christ. Christ's body was what? It was, it was torn for our sakes. It was torn for our sakes. And so there's a picture there of the physical curtain being torn. Remember that? We also have Jesus' body was, was torn for our sakes. The price has been paid for our sin and we are made what? We are made, we are made clean. And that is good news. And this is, just think to somebody in the old time when they had been making sacrifices that were incomplete and, and didn't do this in the same way, that they were made clean. Think of that, how that would feel to them. But think also how that feels to us, right? That anybody, anybody mess up this week? Maybe you said something you didn't mean to? Or maybe you meant to. We always say that. Well, I, I didn't mean to. Well, maybe it's straight up meant to. And how do you get that cleared up? Do you confess that to a priest? Do you need to go to the high priest and confess that? You have a new high priest. Go to Christ. To Jesus and say, Dear Lord, I'm going to confess sin. I'm going to confess sin. You're made clean. Isn't that wonderful? That's not very complicated, is it? Sometimes hard for us to do. Right? For those things that you messed up this week, did you go back to anybody and ask for apology? Somebody raise their hand. Good. 
We've got one honest person here. Raise his hand. Garrett raised his hand and said, I, I went back. That's a good thing to do. That's a good thing. It's good for our hearts, right? Confess that sin as we're encouraged to do. But also to confess that to Christ and we're made clean. And that is, that is so much... That is so much joy for us this morning that we know that we can go to Christ. And you might have something on your hearts right now. You confess that Jesus Christ to have it taken care of, made clean. And made clean until salvation, right? We can go to heaven. We are made clear. We can go into Christ's presence because He has he redeemed us. Alistair Begos listened to him some this week. The writer of Hebrews makes it absolutely clear that the grounds of the Christian's assurance is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ, what He did for us. Point number two, Jesus Christ is our High Priest, therefore let us draw near to Him. Interesting, I was reading some Calvin in preparation to this too, and it said you know, that when Christ came, He fully divested the, the priest's position. It's completely undermined. It was not needed in the same way. It's interesting. You can imagine how threatening this would have been. And while there's so much turmoil during this time, they were divested of their position. It was dissolved. Christ is our high priest. We are made clean through Him. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are redeemed. Number two, you've been given grace. You didn't deserve. You didn't deserve grace, right? We didn't deserve it. We are wretched. We are sinners. But we are given grace. And that is encouraging to us on this Sunday morning, this bright, sunny Sunday morning, we are given grace. Yes, we have, we have made poor choices. But we can humbly go to Christ and um, He gives us what we do not deserve. Number three I have two here. If you, if you have salvation, you're made clean before Christ. Not, you know, I think this was probably emphasized more in churches. You know than it, than it is sometimes. Even having an altar call, having an opportunity to come and confess sin in a new way and, and ask for salvation. I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. There's no need to go back on a regular weekly basis and get saved again. However, if you're not saved, right? If you have not gone to Christ and confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose you and you would want to do that this morning. Maybe you're listening online. You want to do that this morning. You have the opportunity. If you feel called that way, then I feel you are called that way. And Christ has done a work in your heart. And you want to move towards that. And that is what makes you clean. That work of salvation in our heart. And it's it's really simple, right? We confess with our mouths and believe in our heart Jesus Christ is saved. Jesus Christ is, is Lord. Died on the cross. And we are saved. And we get to walk with Him. But we have redemption through Jesus Christ. And, and He is explaining that in this passage here. That that's what happened. It's going to get more and more practical. This is kind of the backstory of what gets us to the point of this message, which is being together for the glory of God. Next, faith. Now, faith is interesting too, because if you would look, you know, maybe you're bored sitting there a little bit. You know, it's happened sometimes. I get a little bored too, right? This guy, you need to pick it up a little bit. But you could skip ahead maybe to Hebrews 11, which is very exciting. It talks about the faith chapter. You know, it's by faith this. You know, Hebrews 11, 1, by faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. And you might say that this is not in my notes. This is the secret thing that I left out, just to hold your attention. 
I just thought I should probably add that in. So please, make some notes in your notes there. Add to that faith. So we have faith, hope, and love. They really do go together. Somebody I was listening to mentioned that. I thought, no, I should look. Yeah, sure enough. That's a good point to have in there. So, so faith, right? Because faith gives way to hope. And that's where we see also in Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that He exists and He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. So we have access to Christ, right? We have redemption through His death on the cross. We have faith in Christ. We must believe that He exists and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That gives us that gives us hope. That gives us hope. Next point there. Calvin said, "Hope is born of faith," and that it is right. It's hard to have hope when you don't believe that it exists. I think a lot of times that our struggle is that we don't we don't believe we don't have faith. In these things, the unbeliever, really, the question is: Do they believe God exists at all? And I struggle with unbelief. You think, well, that's not so good. You're preaching. I still, I still struggle. I still struggle. I say, well, what about this? And what about that? And you hear this and all these different things. But it's faith. It's faith, like Hebrews eleven one says. It's faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction. It's a conviction. I'm convicted of conviction that these things are real. Conviction of things not seen. There are things that we have faith in which give us hope that we have not seen. Amen? Have any of you been to heaven? No, you haven't. You have to clarify that these days. There's some weird books out there. None of you have been there. You'll know it when you get there. You won't. You won't want to write a book about it. Just be standing in awe of God's glory. Not trying to sell something. We have hope in that. Where is that found? First, we have faith. We have faith. So hope. Let us hold fast to believe faith and trust in Christ. He has promised His eternal life. And we have hope in Him. We have hope in Him. We should remember why we are here and what He has done for us. You're given that grace and that redemption that we found in the earlier parts of the chapter there. And, and the writer here is, is kind of taking us through the foundation. We're going to get to something very practical, but you've got to understand the foundation of what happened. Um, and, and so let me read through it again. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, right, we have faith to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's blood made it so that we could have this kind of access. By a new and living way, He has opened up for us through the curtain. That is His flesh. His flesh was torn. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean. Amen that our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confessions of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast with hope to the convictions we have. 
For he who promised is faithful. He is faithful to bring this truth. The promises that we find in the Scriptures. And there again, go back to 11.6, Hebrews 11.6, and without faith it is impossible to please God, for he whoever draws near to God must believe that He exists and that He's what? Rewarder of those who seek Him. There are rewards for those that seek Him. Hope. We have hope this morning. This makes um, this makes our ministries, in fact, ministries. We are here to minister to others. So we have faith in Christ. Gives us hope in what He's going to do for us. But He sent us on a mission. What's our mission? What are we supposed to do with these wonderful things that we've been given in Christ? What are we supposed to do with them? Are we supposed to just hold them in? We're just supposed to come to church and leave church and go back and we go to work and we go to bed and then we just do it all over again. There's something else that we've been given. We're supposed to love God. That's the vertical relationship. And then what's the next part? That we love others. The last, Second to last point. Maybe we'll get out before 2 o'clock after all. Love out of our grace-filled relationship with Jesus, and the barriers have been torn down, we love others. Let us consider how to love others and to encourage them. This is the opportunity and commandment from God is clear in the Scriptures. Reading this morning, like I said, Calvin, extremely needed, therefore, he says, by us all is the admonition be stimulated to love others. Is it easy to love others? Is it easy? Sometimes it's easy. It's a good point. Sometimes it is easy. Have you ever wanted to love others? Right? Um, any newlyweds here? Any? Last five years? Few? Sometimes love comes easily. You know, and and even in the terms, you know, like just affection and just just appeal for someone else, you just feel like really loving on them, just encouraging them. Sometimes you wake up and you know you just want to encourage those around you. And sometimes I'm sitting there at work or whatever, and it's like I just want to send Tanya a text, just tell her I love her. This just comes, and sometimes it doesn't come, right? Usually it's at the end of the day. Or we're tired. Maybe we've been frustrated. Things didn't go the way we were hoping they would go. That is a great opportunity for us to love those that have been put around us. We need that admonition to be stimulated to love others. And the commandment is clear. And so I believe that the writer here encourages, out of all these things you've been given and all these promises you have, because of faith, hope, and love, now love Christ and love other people. And do this together. And then he gets to the last point, this together point that we'll get to. Um, that together, do not neglect coming together as some have done. So what can happen is, well, I don't know. I don't really want to go to church this morning. It's cold outside. Well, it's always cold outside. That's a pretty bad excuse here. Even the summertime. I tell people from down south, you want to wear a hoodie in the summer. You just come up here. You can wear it almost all year round. 
It would be 50 degrees in the evening. I was texting with a friend of mine in Texas. It's 85 degrees there in, in, uh, in San Antonio. And, um, but he said, I said, I said, well, it's 15, it's like 18 degrees and, you know, 12 inches of snow where we are. He said, I would take the cold and the snow for a little more water. Like it's pretty dry there. Um, but this, this idea of being together. Now, the other part, and I, I had my friend, uh, Dan Stanley, a shout out to him, and he was, he was mentioning and reading through my notes. I said, you know, read through my notes. He's, he's a scholarly fellow. And, um, and, and he said, you know, we don't want to just say together. There's a point of being together. And, and we find that in the Scriptures there. In, in verse 24, please look at verse 24. What does it say? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. So should we just meet and have coffee together, let's say? Well, it's not bad necessarily. Um, but, but maybe we need to think a little bit more about how we meet together and stir up each other. So how are you stirring up each other to love and good works? So we should absolutely meet. We should absolutely have a, a potluck. But there should also be some, some, some thought into how we would encourage those that we are together with while we are with them. While we're with them. So this week, you consider getting together. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together. This, is, this church thing is not like made up. The pastors don't want you here just to, you know, just to fill the pews. I mean, it's encouraging when it's, it's full, but it, it's, it's also a pretty clear commandment. Like to think that we're going to be fulfilled in Christ and not meet together and love other people, you've got to be crazy. But a lot of times we struggle in our faith and we wonder why, and then we're not investing in other people. If you're not investing in other people, you're leaving out like half of the deal, right? There's you and Christ, but that's not the only thing that we've been commissioned to do. That's supposed to flow, and then it flows out as we reach and love other people. So I think a lot of us that struggle with depression, um, I wrote this, I'll read this. I wonder if the reason we struggle to find joy isn't because we don't actively love others like we've been asked. We often think that our lack of joy is because others, because of others. And it might be. Sometimes people can be pretty frustrated. But we can't expect life to go well if we don't live out our purpose. We are made to love others. We should love others. And that means getting together with them for coffee and working on things. My friend Josh came down and helped me with some electrical stuff. And he was putting it up and I was drilling holes through it. Like right through the wires that he had just put up. But we had a good time together. We had good fellowship. You know? And that was encouraging. And I think that's what church looks like. That's what it looks like. I was talking to Tim this morning about maybe we should... Uh, the church I go to in Virginia, um, they're kind of one of my sending churches. And they have fellowship time in between. They have two services. And and uh, I remember when the church was even smaller than this and we sit in these little wood pews. And anyhow, in between services, they have they have snack time. You know, and they just, everybody gets together. And you say, well, what are you just entertaining people? You know, they're only coming for your coffee. If anybody's not coming here for their coffee, we, we work on that coffee part, but. But it's good because you stand around and you talk to your friends and you build that relationship. And I think that's good for a church. You should go to the church with the people you want to hang out with. You say, well, I'm not sure I want to hang out with them. 
Well, either find another church or change your attitude. One of the two. Right? We should love each other. We should. Um, why don't we love others? Here's some, here's some things you can jot down. You, you can make your own list. So write down something, a reason why you don't always love others. But here's a little list I have. Because of sin. Because we're rotten sinners. That's why. Because of the flesh. Our flesh doesn't want to love others. Because we're lazy. Ever get lazy and you don't want to help others? You're laying on the couch. You know there's something to be done. You know, you could be helping your wife or something, but you're, well, I'm having a little rest time. You know? Everybody needs a little rest time. You're just lazy. Just straight up lazy. Because we are selfish, which kind of goes to the whole lazy thing. Because we are afraid of getting hurt. Ever love somebody and it didn't go well? And then you don't feel like doing it again. Well, I'm not loving again because I tried that and it worked out. That's why I put for the last point. Why don't we love others? We tried it once. We tried to love them. They didn't go very well, so we're not going there again. How well did it go for Christ? How well did it go? How did it end? Well, it ends by God's grace of Him in, in, in glory, but experienced a lot of a lot of human uh, adversity while he was here. And so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go through it. It's gonna be hard, but why don't we love others? Maybe write down something and, and pray about that this week, maybe confess it to the Lord. They are all poor reasons that should not deter us from a great pursuit of loving other people. Together. As a church body, let us meet together. Let us grow together. Let us be challenged together. Let us bring glory to God together. Your church priorities. I believe that first you have a, your relationship with Christ. And then your relationship with family. And then your relationship with your church and other believers that are in that community that God has given you. And you're committed to them. You don't walk in and out of that relationship. You're there and you're there for them. I appreciate even the, you know, Kim said something the other, the other week, it's a while back. He said, you do realize Sunday school is at like 9.30, or we do have Sunday school here, don't you? Now, I could have taken offense to that. I'm like, come on. i got to drive like 35 minutes to get up here. And i got four little kids, and they, they don't, you know, naturally just get ready to church all on their own. Tanya helps them. But I appreciated that from Kim. To say, hey, we want to see you. This is a church community, so come be a part of it. And part of the reason I come here is, is, is to have some of that elderly, like if I had a, a, a problem, like, have them come and say, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, we need to talk about that. It's good to have wise people that you trust around you. You and the church. Then you and other believers too. Um, and then your community. I think we should be active in our community and loving other people. Uh, Calvin brought up this point that I, that I wrote down that uh, they didn't necessarily want to hang out together. In this time, you had Jews and you had Gentiles. So the idea of all coming together for church, they, they didn't necessarily want to do that. And so there was a divide that, that is kind of like the rich and the poor. And um, you know, he said, it is an evil which prevails everywhere among mankind that everyone sets himself above others. The rich envy one another. 
And hardly one in a hundred can be found among the rich who allows the poor to name and rank of brethren. So all that to say that we like to hang out with people that can do something for us. And we should be focused on what we can, through Christ, do for them and to love them. Biblical partnerships that we see, Jesus and his disciples, David and his mighty men, you had Paul and Timothy and Silas, you had Moses and Aaron, you had Peter, James, and John. There are so many great partnerships that we see of people coming together and doing it together, together for the glory of Christ. So what do we do? We grow in Christ and we grow on our love for others. So maybe write that down. I think it's, if you could take anything out of this message, we grow in Christ and we grow on our love for others. But one barometer of how we're doing with our relationship vertically with Christ is, is what it looks like with other people around us. And that's convicting because mine is not always where it needs to be. Frequently it's not. And so that's a good, that's a good, but how's it going to get straightened out? That we grow and we walk with Christ and abide with Him. John 15, that passage there, one of my favorites, that part of abiding with Christ and He's going to help us. Galatians 5, right? If we walk with Christ, we have the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Starts with love. That's not going to come from you just sitting here and going, okay, this week I'm going to be the most loving person ever. Is that going to work for you? No, it's not. You can confess sin here. You can draw close to Christ and, and walk and abide with Him. And out of that is going to come fruit, which is love towards other people. Let us pull together. Let us overcome difficult times together. Let us overcome sickness together. Let us praise the Lord together. Let us go to church together. Takeaways from this message to draw close to Christ, to love others, look for church fellowship, and be intentional with the fellowship that you have. I'll say this one more time in case you're writing those down. To draw close to Christ. To love others. To look for church fellowship. Like, So what does that look like? You hear there's something going on. You say, well, how do I, how do I get into that? How do I get together with someone? And it, you know, maybe you've got something going on part of the week, but you look for other ways to get together with your friends and hang out. And, and then with that time, you're intentional in, in what that looks like. That can be so encouraging. Be intentional with your fellowship. So this week, I don't know, maybe maybe write down in your notes. You've got all those the room for notes and there's there's more on the other page. Um, of some ideas. You know, maybe maybe you get together with coffee with someone and and uh, confess some sin and talk about good time. Have some more coffee and encourage each other. Maybe you know there's someone struggling in the church and you send them a little card. Maybe you send them a gift card. I don't know. Just talking to a young couple and someone gave them a gift card and that's why they're going to dinner. That's perfect. Whoever gave them that was very smart. It's probably not always, you need that excuse sometimes. So look for ways that you can love, um, love others this week. 
of others this week and be grateful as we move towards Easter. This is a great Easter message as we think about what Christ did for us on the cross. He was torn. He came and he taught us how to love and encourage us to spend time together.